welcome back to the Practical Spirituality Podcast. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us, where we explore all elements of mind, body, emotions, and soul through the lens of everyday life. On this week's episode, we begin the journey of exploring the multifaceted world of people-pleasing. Hello, Kim. Hello, Gareth. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> it's been a long day, huh? <laughs> it's been a long day. Yes, it has. So, uh, out of curiosity, how do you feel about Kim's journey with addiction after last week being put out into the world? Uh, a bit vulnerable and a bit... I've ignored it, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if you ask me, I'm telling you the truth. A bit vulnerable. <laughs> Which I guess is to be expected. But I know it's had a major impact on the thousands of people listening from any of the feedback I've had. So I just wanted to thank you again for sharing your journey. Thank you for having me put it out there. For this week's episode, the subject we've landed on is people-pleasing. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, actually, this is on our list of subjects that we wanted to pull from. And even in the brief few minutes, even before jumping on, I was just actually looking around to see what was out there. And it's kind of a, believe it or not, it's a trending subject, which I didn't really expect to see mm-hmm. a lot of articles, a lot of things on social media about it. I know people pleasing, as we both know, has been around a very long time. So I thought it would be interesting to maybe talk about it this evening and see where we get to. But I also know that some of the definitions or some of the conclusions or reasons why that we briefly talked about before, Kimberly, Jean, Jill kind of seen red. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yes, so, I did. The definition, which is quite a simplified version of it, a people pleaser is someone who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs and desires. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Well, you know that I have lots of thoughts on this subject. <laughs> yeah, just a few. So where would you like me to start? So I think one of the first things I want to say is people think that people pleasing is an easy topic, mm. that it's, you know easily defined. But one of the things that we have learned through the work that we've done, that without going all technical on you, that they changed the fight, flight, freeze response a few years back to fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Now, when I Mm. first heard this, I thought, what are they going on about that? But what they meant by that is what they discovered is in an environment where children are not safe mm. and they're being told that they're they're loved but they're not safe then what they do as a survival technique is to make sure they meet the needs of somebody else in order to keep their body alive yep and so it's one of the very first things that can happen for some people that you know kind of takes the oh just say no away from it because it changes the neural pathway because kids are in in survival mode you know and so they're trying to find a way to stay alive in the in the height of whatever's going on around them and so i like the simplified version because it feel it fits the same definition for people pleasing yep. as a way to get self-esteem and people pleasing as a way of survival yep 
we both appreciate any articles that are out there in the sense of anything that builds awareness about actually exploring ourselves can be beneficial. There's no doubt about that. But I know on many episodes before, we've also talked about simple definitions are great, straight to the point, easy to process, new perspective. But then where you and I have got frustrated in the past, shall we say, is when the solution, so to speak, of how to solve some of these realities or problems or traumas is also overly simplified and we'll just do this yes. and just say no and just that doesn't help at all no it doesn't help at all because it sets up that you know you're already thinking there's something wrong with you that's why you're so busy trying to keep everybody else happy yep. and so then if you feel like oh i should just be able to say no like i've been working on people pleasing for 20 years when you and i first started working together and mm-hmm. first time you said you're gonna have to say no all week felt like someone had just taken <laughs> the air out of my lungs completely and I wasn't going to be able to breathe. I remember it clearly. Mm. So, you know, and that's 20 years into working on myself, 20 something yep. years of working on myself. And I had been addressing this. And so that is when we start to understand, you know, yep, it's, we all do it on some level. Like we yep. all do, whether we have the traumas or whether we don't have the traumas, you know, society kind of, does lend to us keeping everybody else happy. Can we, right? But just to be clear, like, can we actually read out, Kim, some of the sentences or one liners that are actually quite frustrating in the sense of, and even talk about a little bit why? Because I know this is probably a different angle, and we will talk about this subject in more detail on this episode also. But I guess, even I'll just say one as an example here that causes the motivations of people pleasing. One of them was society rewards quote-unquote, nice people-pleasing behavior, especially in women and girls. Now, even before you and I jumped on, I knew <laughs> that Kim was going to respond in a certain way, and I agree. I was actually kind of surprised that that was there. I, I, you know, condescending is the only thing I can say to that statement. And even yep. before we got on, when I had a look at the sheet, you know, as you saw, I went, from zero to 10 in, you know, point oh oh seventh of a millisecond. Thank you, Mr. Zero. <laughs> zero to 100. Because <laughs> that just pissed me off because men, people, please, too. Yep. Men have had trauma, too. Yep. Men have low self-esteem and men want to be like, too. It's just really... Yeah, it, it, it annoys me. Well, the one, the other one, the causes and motivations that I thought was way oversimplified was can originate from volatile and unstable childhood environments where reading emotions and pleasing was a coping mechanism or a survival tactic. Mm. So let me break that down. Here's my definition of that same sentence. Originates from traumatic childhood environments where reading emotions and pleasing was a survival tactic. Mm. Because... Okay, I know some of us don't like the word trauma, but mm. volatile and unstable, it's traumatic. We're just getting long-winded about it, mm. for lack of a better way of saying it. So, yes, yeah, some of these things are oversimplified, and some of them, they're kind of, it's like with a lot of things we disagree with, Gareth, like there's truth in the statement. Yeah. There is truth in the statement, but that statement is made so simple. It's like the Joe Blow down the street is going to be able to pick it up and, oh, you know what? All I have to do is start saying no. I think it's the clash of realities of definition and logic versus life experience and being out in the world and actually having to work through it. And I think that's where 
on this podcast, we bring the two together and talk yeah, about it. Yeah. So maybe one of the things we should talk about here is how, how do people know if they're actually people-pleasing? What are some of the symptoms of this people-pleasing behavior we're talking about? I know from my experience, one of the people-pleasing characteristics that's out there that I definitely engaged with throughout life was going to sometimes to extreme lengths to avoid conflict or disagreement and especially disappointing others. So what's your experience been with that? Or can you relate to it at all, Kim? <laughs> it just depends with who. So if it was my, hey, with my dad. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good point, right? Because I was talking to a friend of mine that we were going to be discussing people pleasing. And the response was, Kim doesn't do that. She's a rebel. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're going to love next week's episode. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it really does depend on who it was with. <laughs> Go ahead. So it depends on who it was with. You know, for example, if it was my father, yep. I think because I wanted to please him so bad and I had given up because he seemed to have given up on me, I went the other direction. Mm. But if I liked you, if I liked you on any level, I would almost cut off my arm to avoid mm. that conflict. And so when we look at the disagreements, I, I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree with anybody, just about. Yep. And then disappointing others. Oh, my gosh, we don't even want to go to that one for me. My experience with that was my whole childhood, it seemed like I was disappointing somebody. And no matter how hard I tried to please them, uh, I never got it right. And the very fact that I never got it right just led to more striving of trying yep. to get it right for them. And it just felt like such an endless cycle. I think that's where I became the rebel because I got to a point where I, I'm never going to get this right. I might as well just go the other way. One of the ones that comes to mind is that excessively apologizing for things that aren't our fault. Mm. I can tell you that I used to start every sentence, every response with, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. If you looked at me, sorry. If it's raining, sorry. It was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember people saying to me, I don't believe you because it's your knee-jerk reaction to everything. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Never just once. It was sorry, sorry, sorry. But even in following on from, I guess, the idea of apologizing is also our need to say yes to people or to requests when really in, internally we're saying no. Or even if it's that no comes afterwards when the request has already been accepted, then we realize when we actually get back to ourselves in some ways of, I said yes, but I really meant no. All I'm going to relate that to in my life experiences, I remember being, I never knew the word no when it came yeah. to others. And so I remember when I was having problems in my marriage and we were going to marriage counseling. A marriage counselor actually asking me to come outside the room with her and going, you do know you have the right to say no. And mm -hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, y you have the right to say no. And I was like, I couldn't even understand what she was referencing. Yep. And I remember being so baffled by that statement yep. that I was like, no, I don't know that I have the right to say no. This is my husband. This is my marriage. What are you talking about? Like, since when? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Right? But we were also briefly talking that, because I asked you before we hit record, do you actually remember the first person you actually said no to when, uh, when normally the answer was yes? And I was saying to you is that I actually remember, and I believe at the time it was actually my eldest brother, and I remember this 
froze because that was the time where my mind wanted me to say yes, every party wants to be yes. But this time I knew it was going to be no. And when I actually said no, the look on his face and the feeling that tremored through my body was like all alarm bells were ringing of like, what did you just do? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's ever talked about as well, because but where your and I frustrations are in actually reading some of these articles or definitions is that they make it sound like such a breeze and they don't talk about the rush that goes through your system of actually you trying to change what you've known your entire life, which is to be a people pleaser and a yes person. It just goes against every fiber of our beings in that moment. It absolutely does. I, I remember the first time I said no to somebody that I really cared about. I truthfully felt like I was going to die. And so this is why I got so upset about the generalization of some of it and not saying that it was also a trauma response because I couldn't breathe the first time I said it. And then that rush that you're talking about, the fear that's coursing through my body, that my heart pounding out of my chest, me thinking that's it, they're out of here and I'm on my own again. It was awful. It was awful. Just waiting for the punishment from the person. Waiting for the punishment, yep. And so, you know, like Gareth and I both get just, we both laughed at the beginning when we were like, just say no. And we're saying that very glibly. And the reason I say it very glibly is because these people that, don't understand how deep some of this can run at times, mm-hmm. make that glib statement, oh, just say no. It's like, if I could have said no, don't you think I would have done that 50 years ago? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So. But it's even going back to something you'd mentioned earlier is that it's still an ongoing journey for both of us in that mm-hmm. um, the people pleasing. And I know, it, as you mentioned, it, it really does depend on who with mm-hmm. and we can be seriously aware of it when there's an action out in our own systems because of us studying ourselves in the self-reflection and going into that detail. But I remember when I started channeling Michael at the start, what I actually found quite fascinating is that when I had to say Gareth slash Michael hybrid and I was speaking to someone, my people pleasing as Gareth would sometimes come through of Michael wanting to say something and the people pleasing part of Gareth was like, I don't want to say that. (laughs) And the person could see me resisting, getting uncomfortable in my chair. And then even the person would get to a stage of, just say it. And then it would come out, you know what I mean? But it was funny how Mm -hmm. I could never get in the way of Michael's messages, but it was so funny at the start, especially how every part of Gareth did not want to say it in case the person disapproved or suddenly valued me less or had a reaction. You get where I'm going with this. So in in my journey with Michael, it's definitely... 100% 100% challenge my need to people please because whether I liked it or not was irrelevant. Michael was going to deliver the message. Mm, mm, I do understand that. I, I understand it completely. And so anybody who's ever worked with me will know when my people pleasing comes out because there'll be something that I want to say or need to say. Mm. That's more the statement I need to say. And it will be there and I will stop and I will look up and I'll go, so I'm just about to say something that make make you want to hit me. So I'd just like to warn you. <laughs> I'm only the messenger. <laughs> yeah. Before I would say it because of that very reason, because I knew I had to say it. Every part of me would never say that to someone else. But it's like, if I don't say this, I'm doing a disservice to this person. Yeah. And it's taking quite a long time to get to that. So I yep. do totally understand that. Hi there. 
We hope you're enjoying this week's episode. We've been so delighted to see such a fantastic response to the show. And we're excited to now offer you a way to get even more from the podcast. We've been building our Patreon community and are now offering a range of benefits, including weekly bonus episodes, articles, early access to our regular episodes, and weekly check-in polls. And here's something special. We are hosting monthly live question and answer sessions, a fantastic chance to interact directly with us and get your questions answered. We've designed different tiers on Patreon, ensuring there's something for everyone. Find your fit and join us by clicking the link in the episode description or visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Practical Spirituality Podcast. We're excited to welcome you to our Patreon community. Let's continue our journey in practical spirituality together. One of the things that I find or found for a long time was this tendency to neglect my own needs for others' wants and comforts. Mm-hmm. That is something that I think most parents struggle with with their kids. I agree. We've known each other for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. I remember back when we first started working together, saying no for that entire week that you had mentioned mm-hmm. is especially even as like even when your kids call Kim, you need to say no. And I and I remember you being like, even the kids. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think it, it can be very different for parents versus with your colleagues versus with your own parents. Like I think the different levels of people pleasing and the ability to say yes or no changes quite a bit as we were talking about earlier. But I know from working with you, in my memory, that was a big one at the time was being able to say no to your kids. Absolutely. And I will tell you a funny part about that story is my kids have seen me work on this probably for as long as they've been alive. So mm. as my kids became young adults, If they needed anything from me, the phone would ring. I would pick up the phone and the very first statement would be, now, mom, you can say no. It's okay to say no. Mm. And you know what would happen for me? Don't say that because now I feel like I have to say (laughs) yes. I have to double down and say yes three times. (laughs) I have to double down, yeah. It was so frustrating for me, you know, because I wanted to say no. And like you said, that is that parent, I think every parent has it, but then add the emotional trauma and survival technique to it, and it feels excruciating. So here's a true story. First few times I did say no, just like I was told to, I'd hang up the phone, I'd sit there for half an hour, I would call my child back, I just need you to know I love you, even though I've said mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know I still love you. And and they're like... I know that, mom. And I'm like, yeah, but I need to make sure <laughs> that yeah. you still love me because I've mm. said no. And and that's a sad thing to say, but that was a true thing to say, you know, because it was so strong at that point. Yep. And I remember I have a really dear friend in my life and I was out shopping with this person probably in the first two or three years of our friendship. So this person wanted to buy me something and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. And she turned around and said, you really do have a problem with receiving, don't you? And I went, because mm. in my mind, if someone bought me something, we know what that means, right? Yep. There's strings attached. So that was part of that survival tactic. And so it was so much easier to have no needs than to allow someone to meet your needs 
because then you would owe them. Okay, so I think I want to go back to some of the causes and motivations that we talked about since we talked about some of these experiences we've already had. Yep. Because some people just start to beat themselves up because they're people pleasers. Hmm. They see it as a character flaw instead of really understanding. And so I think if we, you know, we already talked about some of the things that they said on here, but we haven't talked about emotional neglect, for example. Mm. This is the worst type of neglect to try and work with people with because usually we've had a house over our head and there's been food on the table and there's a bed to sleep in and no one got hit, no one got hurt, but I don't understand why I'm chasing around trying to get everybody else's love and approval. Mm. And it usually comes from either emotional neglect or an emotionally unavailable caregiver, right? Or parent. Which is most, I want to say that's most people because we've talked about many episodes before, we've never been taught about our emotions, how to emotionally regulate, how to communicate, how to express. So it's, I know it's a big statement, but it's probably safe to say that it applies to most people that are listening right now or most people even on the street. Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And so one of the other things that people don't understand that also hits a lot of people. So if there's any kind of, uh, say, a trauma at birth, And for whatever reason, you are separated from your mom. Mm. That baby doesn't understand that. And if there isn't an attachment period where they get to do the bonding, now there's this sense of fear of abandonment. What's that going to create? It's going to create you constantly trying to get that attachment by people pleasing. Mm. So I find it very interesting. And I had a thought this week, you know, when during the time when my mom almost died and then she came home from the hospital and she was home i had a memory this week of and i've often thought of this memory where i went to primary school was not very far from where we lived and there was two cotton fields in between the school and the house and the, the memory that came up is the lunch bell going and me taking off through the cotton fields doing the zigzag because of course there's cottontail snakes uh mm-hmm. or rattlesnakes in those areas And so I'm, you know, zigzagging through the field to get home for a 10 minute period with my mom. You know, and I often, when I think about that memory, I think, oh my gosh, that poor little one, you know, what I went through just to get that 10 minutes because Mm. of everything going on in her life. So I, I find it all very interesting. And the other thing I find interesting about it, I have it, I don't know, I'm pretty sure you have it. Most of us have gone through it because of these, things that happen to us, we have this innate ability to read every micro expression on somebody's face. Yep. Right? Like we're constantly scanning, doing that checking. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. So if people find themselves with that little added bonus, <laughs> they might be able to start to check in and on their people pleasing stuff and why that started. For them. Mm. There's just so much to this topic. Like we've said so many times, I don't think we're going to get hugely deep into it because it's such a big topic. There's so many causes, but I think as long as we start to normalize it for some people and go, it's not quite as cut and dry as a lot of people want to make it. I'll just start building an awareness around it and know that it is a lifelong journey of actually exploring it. And does it get easier with time? You get more aware of it with time and it gets easier with, under certain circumstances with certain people. But I think when as you said when it's that ingrained into our systems it's just continuously going to show us new things about ourselves but also expose us to new experiences and new people for good and bad 
I think that's a reality. So, you know what? I'd like to, just before we move on, I want to go back to some more causes because as I'm sitting here, I'm going, oh, yeah. So let's just talk about school as a cause. So I'll go to school. We're supposed to, we're supposed to conform to a certain routine. And then now we're surrounded by a group of people that are peers that we don't really understand. And people that are doing really well in the class are getting a lot of attention. What are we going to start doing? Mm. We're going to start vying for that attention as well. So, you know, our schools set it up, our society, sports, you know, we think, oh, we've got to, I know so many people that go into sports because it's a way of getting mom and dad's attention. And And then we have a very contentious topic of virtue signaling. You know, we don't want to be stepping out of the crowd. So we're just going to go along with the crowd because you know what? If I don't ruffle the water, I'll be okay. Mm. But even in saying that, like as we use people pleasing as a way to actually climb the social ladder, mm-hmm. you know, professional ladder. And this is what's actually what used to surprise me actually working on this and questioning it myself, how it is ingrained in every area of a person's life. In the relationship, personal relationships you mentioned with your husband, in your career, even if it is pleasing customers or clients in your job, or even just within friendships of having to maintain them. Because as you mentioned, that if you're available, then you're, you're of use to somebody and then they can't mm-hmm. get rid of me because then who else would do that for them? And so, as you said, that it's such a large subject because if it applies to everyone everyone has their own unique ways of looking at it like a lot of the subjects that are out there that we've talked about in this podcast when have we ever been in reason to actually go back and question it or actually open up our eyes or build awareness around it that's only when we start doing that that we can actually begin to understand the different causes that actually have mm-hmm. led us to have all these different experiences and these realities and then begin to do the journey of healing and of understanding of maybe how we can begin to change and evolve that so before we move on to I guess the healing process of that exploration are there any other causes that you want to mention to the listeners that you feel are relevant yeah i think one of the other things that we haven't talked about in causes is insecurity when we don't have that sense of self and we have that insecurity then we have that really huge need to get the validation from somebody else Mm. and that then just sets up that endless cycle of people pleasing that we have. And so it feels like this, that ha- like my hamster wheel of problems that I talk about all the time, it just, it's a spiral that keeps going. And so from there, what I'd really like to move into is some of these problems that we end up with. That can be a long list of those. <laughs> How long do you have? One of the problems that comes to mind when it comes to people pleasing is the reality of we can feel that loss of identity or the sense of self because we've just spent, as you mentioned, so much time in our lives molding ourselves to other people. And especially with so many people that we meet in a given day that, mm-hmm. and, and we don't often as children, as even as young adults, ever get that much time on our own because like a lot of us, we actually fear even being on our own or don't even know how to have that time on our own. So therefore, when you're actually taking a step back and suddenly trying to question question people pleasing question your relationships with other people and it's starting to do that self-reflection there is that sudden realization of loss of identity or who actually am i mm-hmm. i don't know if you've experienced that i've experienced it constantly <laughs> constantly because as yeah. i said about being the chameleon but you know what actually really hit me more as mm. one of the problems caused by it mm. is the resentment that I felt. And that resentment comes out in such subtle ways. Kind of like, you know, I've done all this for you and no one's ever there for me. That one. Yep. So I'm sure you've experienced that one. So then there is ringing a few bells. Yeah. All the emotions that now 
it's not okay to express that anxiousness that, oh no, (laughs) here's an example. I remember the first time I asked somebody for help, which, you know, that's like taking an arm off and the Mm. person just turned around and went, no, I I remember just sitting going, what do you mean? What? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? No. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, and my instant reaction was resentment and anger. And how mean is this person saying no to me? How can Mm. they be so mean? They're not being mean. They're just saying no. But because I didn't know how to say no. Maybe they've placed boundaries. Yeah, they, ha- yeah, they actually had boundaries. Well, that's a different episode completely. Completely. <laughs> talking, about, talking about boundaries. Mm. So then, you know, where do you go with that? And as you mentioned earlier, there's so many ways to take this episode. Uh, so I'm sure we'll come back to it in a Patreon episode. But it's even just how people pleasing, especially when it actually enters into the intimacy within our personal relationships. Mm. It just sets a whole new level of experiences and even problems of of what that means moving forward. Yes. How do you want to add to that without going into too much detail? Well, what it means is, for me, I was never able to express what my needs were in the relationship, ever. Mm. I did a lot of yelling and screaming, but I didn't even know what my needs were. Yeah. Like, I just didn't know. And so, and so because for so many years while I was doing that, I didn't know how to be authentic because I was so busy taking care of everybody else. That lack of identity was there. And then there was this resentment because I was giving, 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 or what I felt was giving, 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 and nothing Mm. ever seemed to come my way. But even if it did, it would have hit me upside the head and I wouldn't have recognized it. And then, but of course, because of that, I think as especially as we get older and as decades pass and the people pleasing isn't we don't have an awareness of it even as you said mm-hmm. if it hits you over the head it still would not actually make a dent in your reality mm-hmm. but I think the part of the problems that come with that is the burnout and feeling unappreciated mm-hmm. feeling used both personally and professionally and it's just exhausting and I think when it gets to that level it's so exhausting it is our way of living in that way is so unsustainable that we actually life kind of forces that change onto us by actually needing to go seek help because we're just so burnt out and I do think Mm -hmm. it's either people who listening who even can relate to that because they've been there themselves or there's people actually on that verge now of burning out because it's just got to a place where it's unsustainable so true and you know, when we think about the world that we live in and we think about all the people that work in helping professions, mm. because like we said, there's 8 billion people on the planet and we all have it on some form, but most people that get into helping, mm. get into helping because we're projecting what we wanted, totally unaware of it, myself included. You know, we were totally unaware that's what was driving the motivation behind it. And where the the problem comes with, like you were just talking about with the burnout and feeling unappreciated, is we go in for the right reasons, then the people-pleasing takes over, and then we haven't got any of our needs. We have expectations. Expectations aren't getting met, and it it just becomes exhausting. But it becomes an ongoing journey of that self-reflection because we don't have any other choice but to go inwards to actually see what's going on or where does all of this come from. And that in itself sets up some problems because if those of us that had the trauma, that -hmm. have spent a good deal of our time looking outward, constantly judging if we're okay by the the messages that we're getting back from others, 
going inward is like, sorry, no map for that. <laughs> but that actually is an interesting conversation because it leads us to our last point for this episode. Where do people even begin in that healing process when it comes to people pleasing, understanding it, their traumas, as you, as you mentioned at the start of the episode and even only a few seconds ago? Kim, as the expert, where do people even start? I think where people start is it has to start with awareness, awareness that that is what we're doing. Mm. Until we become aware that we are people-pleasing or we're doing it for a survival technique, we, we can't even begin to change, can't even begin yeah. to look at it. And so that awareness, as you said, comes in a couple different ways, you know, the burnout or the exhaustion, having to take time off, getting sick. And often when we get sick, it gives us that opportunity to start to reflect. I think I knew early, early, early on that saying no was not possible in my world, yep. but was too afraid to talk to anybody about it for a very, very long time. And so it wasn't until I had the awareness that things were never going to get better if I didn't find a way to start looking at this, that's when things started to change. But I think it's also looking at it in the sense of saying yes for your entire life is like an addiction within itself. And this is why I think when people think that when they start working on people pleasing and even going back to overly simplified definitions and explanations and even cures for it, is that it is a journey. It's not a black and white thing where as soon as you start working on it, you'll be saying no instantly to every person or it does not work like that. But the reason why I compare it to addiction is because please expect to relapse and that it's going to be decades of a journey but can it improve with time and with so much awareness and talking to a specialist and actually working on it absolutely but can it ever be zero or not bring up some sort of emotions or feelings or thoughts along the way i personally don't think so if it's currently at a 10 can you get it down to roughly a two or three in your life i think if you get to that stage you're doing incredibly well but even as you had mentioned you've been doing it for decades and even your kids were quite aware that you're on that journey of being able to say no to them and they were even encouraging you at times but it does not mean that we're still going to have that resistance at times and the compulsion to say yes but I think the awareness is actually taking a breather, doing the work on ourselves, understanding the root of why in our backgrounds, and then eventually no will come out of our mouths when the time is right. Well, like you said, I think that's a great start, having the awareness and then looking yep. at the root of where it comes from. There's so many different things that we can do along the journey, which I'm sure we'll get into in another episode. Yep. Those are the areas that we want to start. And I think recognizing that all of us do it on some level, whether we want to admit it or not. So it's been great to finally get to the subject of people pleasing and hopefully this episode begins to build some awareness for people to actually have some food for thought in their own lives and maybe for some of the people around them. So thank you, Kim. You're welcome, Gareth. And I'd like to say to all our listeners out there, if you have some questions directly related to this, you know, feel free to join us on Patreon or send us a message, write the question in a comment. And we will do our best to address that in the next episode because obviously we will come back and revisit this time more and time than again. once. So thank you, Gareth. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to explore these topics more with us, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash practical spirituality podcast 
Not only will that help us keep producing these shows, but you'll also get advanced access to each new episode, the opportunity to ask questions directly of Gareth and I, input into what topics we will cover on the show, access to exclusive content not available anywhere else. See you over on Patreon. 